Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Despite appearances of the fact we have so many various religions, so many different denominations among the Christian church, the heart of it all, there are only two churches. You can differentiate these two churches in various ways. At its heart, one, the true church, is the church of grace, the one that is given life and salvation alone through Christ, while the other is the church of works, whereby one is told the only way to please God is by your actions and making satisfaction for your own actions. In our text today, we see it described a second way, which is that there is the church of the exalted and the church of the humbled. For again, at its heart, we are either exalted in our own eyes or we are humbled in our own eyes. And then the contrary is actually the reality in God's eyes. These two churches are nothing new. It is not a split that occurred when our Lord descended from on high when he was born in Bethlehem to suffer and die on the cross. We see from our Old Testament lesson, it is a distinction that goes back all the way to the beginning and to the fall. Eve bore two sons, Cain and Abel. We know this account. We know what happens here, how both these two sons go forth, offer sacrifices. One is accepted by God, the other is rejected. And out of jealousy and spite, Cain murders his brother. What is the difference between their sacrifices? There's been lots of discussion about it. Some point to it is what they offered, that Cain offered grain offerings and Abel offered the blood sacrifice, sacrificing one of his sheep. Yet that's not the distinction here. After all, Cain is clearly a farmer of wheat or of other crops, where Abel is the shepherd, the one who is raising the livestock. They are both giving of their own, a portion of what they have. And as we will learn from Moses, as he, by, the, by God's instruction, establishes the sacrificial system, that there are both grain offerings and there is animal offerings. So it's not the content of the offering that is different. No, the difference here is that Cain viewed his offering differently than Abel. Martin Luther speculates that one of Cain's issues is a misunderstanding by his parents of the promise given to them in Genesis 3. The Lord had promised that he would provide salvation through the seed of the woman, that the seed of the woman would indeed be the one who would crush the serpent. Martin Luther speculates that by the very name of Cain, which means he who is either from God or he who is of God, indicates that Adam and Eve, in a great confidence of the word of the Lord, expected that the very first son they had was the fulfillment of that prophecy and probably raised Cain to think that as well. 
Of course, the problem is Cain wasn't the fulfillment of the prophecy. The Lord, though it might seem by our take, seemed slow in his fulfilling of it, that fulfillment came at the right time. Yet it would be some four millennia after Adam and Eve were alive that Jesus would be born. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was something else. But whatever the situation was, Cain thought he deserved recognition. Maybe it was because he is the firstborn. I will admit, as the child of the family, I've always thought firstborn tended to think a little highly of themselves. Those of you who are firstborn might disagree with that. But be it as it may, Cain certainly did. He thought he deserved to have the respect of his brother. He thought he deserved to have the respect of God. And so his offering wasn't one of supplication, but it was one proving how great a farmer he was, how great a person he was. Look at the offering I am given. I am thankful I am not like my brother, that little shepherd boy who's over there doing his thing. Cain exalted himself, and his offering was rejected. It was no different than the Pharisee, who likewise was, yes, from a civil point of view, one deserving of respect, who had dedicated his life to service in the church, who had trained fastidiously under the Pharisees and the rabbis, who knew the scriptures inward and out, who served the people with teaching and instruction, who gave up a portion the tithe, and even more so of his income to the, to the church. Who is there with those who are in need of help, who offered up the sacrifices as needed. Thank you, God, that I am not like other men, like adulterers and extortioners, not like that tax collector over there who, who certainly cheats and swindles his brother Jews. The Pharisee exalted himself. God should respect him for what he did. There was no way God could reject him. And yet, at the end of the time, those who exalt themselves, those who put themselves forward first, find out how hard it is when they do stumble and fall, because we will stumble and fall. Consider Judas. Judas was one of the disciples. Judas was there with Jesus every single day. But he thought he knew better than Jesus. He thought he knew what should be done with the offerings. He thought he, he knew what was better to do than to sell it on oils, to anoint our Lord, to give it to the poor, or what have you. And so what he, did he do? He betrayed our Lord, handed him over for 30 pieces of silver, led the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and the soldiers to our Lord in the garden, gave him that kiss of recognition. And when he recognized what he had done, he was broken. He didn't know where to go. He who thought he could do all things, who was his own guardian, his own captain of destiny, ended up being humbled, fleeing from the church, fleeing from God. Contrast that to those who are humbled. You have Abel, who in his offering recognized that he was not worthy of God's love, who recognized himself as a sinner, who offered up the first portions, recognizing that all good gifts come from God, and he could do nothing else than to give back. 
I recognize that Moses does not explicitly state that in the text, but we know from Scripture itself this is what makes a sacrifice pleasing to our Lord. He is like the tax collector who is broken, the one who recognizes his sinfulness, who says, I am not worthy, Lord, have mercy on me, who recognizes that if he is not like other men, it is because he is the most broken, who stands with Paul, who says, chief of sinners, though I be. And in contrast to the likes of Judas, we see Peter, who like Judas betrayed our Lord, who wasn't willing to confess that he knew Jesus, even to the likes of a young girl. And yet when he understood what he did, when he saw the Lord on that night and went away crying, he did not flee. For like Abel, like the tax collector, Peter knew who he was. The one who fell down before our Lord when, the when he calmed the storm and when he caught the fish and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. And remembered the Lord was the one who reached out his hand and said, Be at peace. Your sins are forgiven. Why are we here today? Are we here today to check off our God time for the week? To show that we are better than others? To show that we are at least doing what must be done because it's what God calls? Are we here like Cain to show off who we are? The ones who are better than our neighbors who are sleeping in on a Sunday morning or who are out on the golf course or who are doing who knows what? Are we the ones who look around and say, well, at least I'm not like them? It's probably a little bit of that. Who among us can't look at our neighbors and think they only are getting what they deserve when things go wrong? And yet, what we recognize is we are not ones who come here exalted. For the reality is we are no different. We are not here simply to show God how good we are because there is nothing in our hands that we can show. We are not saved by our works. We are not saved by what we've done. This is Paul's emphasis to the Ephesians. It is by grace we are saved, not by works. Are we here simply because there's nothing else to do? Because we don't have other plans for the day? Again, the reason why we gather here on this Sunday morning is not because we are looking for something social to do. There's many places we can do that. We can gather with our friends, we can gather with clubs, maybe not as much as we could in the past, but of course, there are times we can get together. No, the reason why we gather here, the reason why we are here on this Sunday morning at 9 a.m., despite the warmth and despite the heat, was because like Abel, like Peter, like the tax collector, like David, and like Abraham, like all the saints who have gone before us, we are broken. We are ones who have failed our Lord in our thought, word, and deed. We are ones who are poor, miserable sinners. And what is truly amazing is having come here, having confessed our sins, having acknowledged before the Lord, having shared with one another who we are, the Lord lays before you an amazing gift. He invites you and says, come. Come to my table. Come into my kingdom. Come into heaven itself. 
For I deign to dwell with you this day. I deign to come among you with healing and forgiveness. Like Peter, he reaches out his hand and pulls us up and said, Yes, you are not deserving of my mercy, but I give it to you anyway. After all, that's the path our Lord chose. He didn't choose to be exalted when Satan suggested that he simply take the power and reign, that he call all the kingdoms and exert his authority, which he rightly had. He said, no, that's not the will of my father. The will of my father is that I go and suffer in their place, that I go to the cross of Calvary and take their sins upon me, that I stretch out my arms and die so that they may live. And even as our Lord, who humbled himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross, was then exalted by the Father on Sunday, raised to new life for us and for our salvation, so too do we follow in the path of our Lord. Humbled by our sins, our Lord exalts us to new life. And so it is. We now go forth as ones redeemed by Christ the crucified, as ones who have been cleansed of our sins, renewed by the Spirit. Not to go forth once again to the darkness of our sins, not to go forth and do what all the others do, not to go forth and repeat our errors, but by the grace of God to walk in the good works he has prepared for us, to go forth as ones redeemed by Christ the crucified, humbly into the world, to serve others as we've been served, to share with them the life of salvation that God has given unto us through his Son. May the Lord indeed humble us by his word and exalt us by his word, even unto eternal life itself. Amen. And we rise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.